Hey everyone, welcome to episode number 12 of the Forever Strength Podcast. I'm Andrew Coates and I've got Bailey Lau here with me. And we are going to talk today about unilateral exercises in your training. So Bailey, Bailey is the, the architect behind a lot of the ideas here. So I want Bailey to start out with why unilateral exercises are really important in a program and we'll go from there. Yeah, so I mean, um, obviously for strength training, we wanna make sure you're strong on both sides of your body. Um, the main things is to make sure you're not asymmetric. Um, so that's in terms of your hips, um, the turnover rate of your hips, anti-rotation core strength. Um, <clears throat> and most people have a dominant side. Most people are, you know, right-handed and you'd be surprised, you know, you use one ear more, like you look with one eye more and stuff like that. Um, so the, the idea isn't to make you the same on both sides. It's just to limit the amount of, uh, the amount that you rely on one side so that you're not creating an injury. Um, so it also has to do with uh, injury prevention and, and even sport performance. Like, you know, in a lot of sports, you need to be able to use both sides almost just as well. Right. Um, I'll, I'll throw this in there just to kind of characterize it there. I put this up a while ago and there are only three sports that have perfectly symmetrical leg movement. And I could only think of two. And so one is actually powerlifting, right? I, mm -hmm. Squatting and deadlifting has symmetrical leg movement and rowing, like competitive rowing has symmetrical leg movement. And then a lot of people jokingly put potato sack racing in there. And that's literally it. That everything else, basketball, football, hockey, you name it, car, race car drivers, there's literally different moving and shifting of the pedals. So yeah. everything else in life, we walk, hike, whatever, has unilateral movement. And let's clarify that unilateral just simply means like one leg at a time versus bilateral, which is like a squat, a two-legged leg press, uh, barbell bench press with a, you know, a, yeah, barbell bench press, that stuff's bilateral movement. So yeah. I'm sure those, those definitions are clear and not, we're not talking over anybody's head. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, and even like through sports, but even in your daily life, you don't climb stairs two feet at a time. You don't put your pants on two feet at a time. I mean, I get whatever some people might, but that's, um, so yeah, it's important. So one of the main reasons that people strength train is to be more functional in their day-to-day -day life. It has, it had a, has a lot of, um, um, carry over to your function, how you're working, um, just moving daily in life, sports, just life in general. Let's just take this a little further. Think about the older adults that trade with us, right? Larry being a good example, but you have Ron. Ron, Ron is, how old is Ron? Ron's like 80. Late 80s. I think just late, about 90. Yeah, just about 90, right? And amazing functional. And even for everyday life, activities like being able to climb the stairs and like not falling. So part of single leg strength training is balance and not falling. Okay. So we know, and this is something that came up with this Pat Davidson seminar I was in uh, this weekend. And Pat mentioned this, like one of the worst things that can happen to someone is to have a fall and a hip fracture in older life. People do not live long on average after a catastrophic incident like that. So as simple as just having people with strong bones and strength and balance that way, like, especially as we get older, that could be a really big deal for your longevity. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, going back to the the asymmetrical strength, like um, if we're looking at the anti-rotation that I talked about, if you're good at turning one direction, but not good at turning the other direction, that affects the movement of your hips, the movement of your upper body just in general. Um, and if you're practicing the exercises like, oh, hey, I can curl with a 20 pound, but on my left side, I can only do 15. Um, that's not good. <laughs> you should be practicing so that the your non-dominant side is catching up uh, as much as it can to be equal strength to both sides. And then when you go through daily life and you're only using one side to do everything, just sort of habit, it's better at the, the muscle pattern, the movements and stuff like that, um, you then don't run into an injury. So that's, go ahead. There's also something worth mentioning too, because it's like, we're talking about symmetry, but yet we don't want to make people, and you said this, but I'll clarify it. We don't want to make people think that there's something bad about being asymmetrical. You said we have dominant sides. It would be, I like to use the analogy of if you're training basketball players, to shoot free throws with their offhand. That would be such a waste of time, learning, mental, physical energy to get someone to do that. It's a skill that they don't need. They, they just don't need to have that capability. But for a basketball player to be able to dribble efficiently with both hands and be able to move as well laterally both ways, and that's true in almost all sports, great. Most baseball players will only hit or pitch from one side. There are rare, rare, rare examples of pitchers who've literally tried to pitch for both sides. It doesn't really work in, in pro league. There are some switch hitters. They're kind of rare, but again, even the switch hitters generally aren't as good hitting one side to the other. That's beyond the scope of this conversation. So we don't want people to think, oh my God, if I'm even a little bit asymmetrical, like I think a lot of new trainers tend to think, oh, you got to work on your symmetries, all this sort of stuff. We just don't want it to get out of hand. Um, so what are some of the exercises that you would characterize as being, you know, unilateral exercises that show up in programs a lot? Um, I mean, there's single leg exercises and then there's true single leg exercises. So, um, a true single leg exercise would be something like a pistol squat. Um, and then a regular single leg exercise would be a lunge movement or a Bulgarian split squat or something like that, where the weight is the movement is mostly um, through one leg where you're trying to get most of the muscle activation and the other one's there for balance. Whereas a true single leg exercise, there's nothing coming from anything else, um, hence pistol squat. Um, so another true leg, true single leg exercise would be um, a single leg leg press. Um, and with that one too, and a lot of people forget about the leg press, you're still supposed to engage your core, right? You're still getting that anti-rotation, even if it's not as much as you would get from another exercise. Um, having to keep your hips straight, single leg RDL is another good example. Um, and with Bulgarian split squats, sometimes, you know, you do those ones and the day next day you're like, oh man, I didn't know I had all those little small muscles because a lot of exercises, you don't use them, right? stability um muscles it's also um, not a, a black and white yes or no it's bilateral it's unilateral like you're saying and there's some differences in the style of exercises but it's okay we often use support you can actually use an arm to support if you don't have great balance like i don't really have great balance when it comes to single leg romanian deadlifts so i'll hold a dumbbell in one hand 
I will hold a bench or something with the other and I'm getting all the benefits and I can load a little heavier. We yeah. use the supported Bulgarian squat. Yes, we have the stability of both legs. Just one is elevated on a bench, but we're able to load a little bit more. Now, yeah, so you, you first. You might be taking away stability from one foot. Like, um, um, well, I, I can't really think of an example. Like the holding on to with the supported uh, Romanian deadlifts, you might be taking away the stability that has to come from the ankle and the foot, but you're still getting that stability in the hip. Like so long as you're doing it properly and keeping, um, keeping your hip square. And it can be just a, a teaching tool. It can get someone to be able to develop the strength and the, the motor skills to be able to do it unsupported. There's nothing wrong with doing, people call it a kickstand or a B stance, uh, Romanian, single leg Romanian deadlift. We're still emphasizing loading them the primary leg, but maybe that person just hasn't graduated yet to be able to do them just freely on one leg, or maybe it's never really suitable for that person. So it's about finding the right tools for each person. And then for the upper body stuff, any, you know, examples, thoughts uh, on the upper body training? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, anything pulling with just one arm at a time is a really good example. You're still getting that anti-rotation, um, that core stability in there. And with pulling movements, I guess you can speak to this if you if you disagree with me, but um, I find that more people have discrepancies between sides with pushing movements than they do with pulling movements. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's just related to the amount of pushing we do throughout the day compared to the amount of pulling that we do throughout the day. Um, so uh, pushing movements, you could do um, single leg or sorry, <laughs> single leg, um, single arm dumbbell shoulder press um, again more core stability, um, core strengthening, um, just like if you do it standing or sitting, uh, and then one shoulder at a time, but that also not true unilateral, I guess, um, a barbell overhead press compared to a shoulder press with dumbbells. Um, so you're still having to control both sides separately. If you use dumbbells compared to the bar that's you know, it's easier to compensate for someone if they're doing it with a barbell because they sort of do that shrug with one arm, push one higher, and then the other one catches up, um, which is you know, not ideal, but it's easy to, it's easier to avoid or more noticeable to correct if you're pushing with dumbbells. Mm. One way I like to explain the difference between a, like say, let's say a barbell bench press, a dumbbell bench press and a single arm dumbbell bench press two dumbbells it's a bilateral nervous system impulse even though each arm has to technically balance and function on its own and it does feel different versus having just a single dumbbell in hand and there's value in incorporating various different elements of this stuff some other things are really useful things like suitcase carries where you're doing a farmer's carry just on one side again a lot of core a lot of oblique we want that strong so I think you and I both agree that we want to sprinkle in a reasonable amount of this unilateral training. It's not to say that bilateral movement's actually bad. It's a really good way to load up pretty heavy. But one thing, especially with lower body unilateral training, if we've got someone who maybe has a history of low back issues, or we just want to limit uh, overall fatigue or especially stress on the spine, it can be an easy way to increase the ratio of stress on the muscles but do decrease the actual loading on your spine, which over time it does add up um, in terms of stress and fatigue and 
I don't want to necessarily imply that there's injury risk, but depending on the individual, that person just simply with their injury history, which is pretty much the only predictor of future injury is past injury history, then it may not be a good risk to reward profile for that particular person. And as we get into really high training volumes, it probably makes sense to do more single-sided stuff to maximize training volume and result, especially for muscle building, while trying to minimize the stress on joint tissue. Yeah. And I mean, I guess the, the main reason a person would do unilateral lifts is to avoid compensating, right? Um, say you get to a plateau with, with your squat, your hips start shifting, you're pushing with one leg more than the other, a good way to help correct that. And it would have good carryover to your squat and help you lift more, um, would be to practice Bulgarian split squats where you can't, you can't push off of, or I guess it's less ability to push off of one leg more than the other. Yeah. And I, I tend to think of things like lunges and especially Bulgarian split squats as kind of 80, 20, you're going to get most of the work out of the front leg. It's also not realistic to expect that it's a hundred percent because if anybody, like you mentioned pistol squats, most people can't. And I honestly would say most people probably never will be able to do a true pistol squat. They're really hard, but mm-hmm. we could add support by holding a TRX or we could do a single leg squat to a box, which is a really effective way to do single leg training. So there's all sorts of ways to incorporate this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, if uh, range of motion is a struggle that you have too, uh, specifically with one side, practicing it single leg is another good way to have carryover to your, your more compound lifts like squats. Um, and I guess another thing with a uh, single single-sided exercises is the mind muscle connection because you're adding in that extra stability of having to just use one side at a time. Um, the mind muscle connection, more people think about moving, moving through the movement properly with good form, because if you're trying to do a not supported Romanian deadlift, um, single leg, you're going to fall over, right? If you're not thinking about how you're moving, where that's not really a worry for most people if they're doing it bilaterally. Absolutely. I think a lot of these things could be great teaching tools. There's certainly great compliments to big compound lifts. And I think they actually almost have to become the primary training tools if someone's goals are primarily athletic, performance and athletic. And that's not to say a, a barbell squat. Like there are certain people who tend to speak in absolutes and say, uh, there, there, there are places, there are gyms that say, because they have large groups of trainees that, hey, we don't back squat, barbell back squat are or athletes. I get that. I totally get that. Some really smart people do that. That's their system. But in general, it depends on the person. A lot of people will thrive and do really well when it comes to barbell back squatting. Some other athletes, maybe it's not suitable for them, depending on their body. Mm-hmm. I've had tall lifters, long femurs who front squatting is great. Barbell back squatting, they don't really move well at good depth. So the front squat is just simply a better center of gravity for them. That's what we do. Cool. And then we also do the single leg work on top of uh, the squat that agrees with them. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, with athletes, they change direction all the time. Fast sports like basketball, hockey, where you're constantly changing direction and the agility is really important. You want your single leg strength to be, to be up there um, because squat only moves in one direction, but you also have to put in single leg exercises that don't just move in one plane. Um, like our, our first round of forever strength, um, most of our exercises were just the normal exercises. We didn't have much for lateral movements. Um, and then incorporating stuff like that, it had, 
it had more of a cover everything sort of thing because in life you don't just move straight forward and backward right more just up and down and I actually, again, uh, this seminar I was in this weekend with Pat Davidson, he kind of put a really cool perspective on this too, because I always felt like, hey, maybe my programs traditionally didn't put enough, um, what we would call frontal plane movement. That sounds misleading to anybody who's listening, uh, lateral movement, as you said. But as Pat put it, and Pat's a smart dude, PhD, really knows his stuff. You know, a lot of people still need to learn the competencies to work in what we call the sagittal plane. So that is forward, backward stuff. Squats, lunges, split squatting, bench pressing, rowing, they're all sagittal plane movements. And most people, especially if they're not athletes, probably are going to do most of their work in that plane. They're going to get great training results. Athletes, 100%, they're going to need to have movement competencies, especially in lateral movements. So I think it's great if you can incorporate that in a program. And we've been trying to, but we got to make sure that people develop the basic skills before they move into some stuff that isn't necessarily as natural or as intuitive. So anyone listening, if you're working on your own program, don't worry about being in a big rush to worry about lateral stuff. But if you can find some stuff that works, we really like things like lateral sled drags. They tend to be, uh, you know, a little bit friendlier than say complex things like a Cossack squat, which gets, you know, that's kind of challenging stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, it definitely takes a lot of functional mobility type movements like the range of motion in a cossack squat is a good cossack squat <laughs> it's pretty intense big tall guy i actually have great hip mobility it's got to i don't know how that ever came to be but deep squatting any mm -hmm. other important things you want to throw into this discussion yeah i mean um i guess injury prevention like you said there's no way to guess um, but also injury rehab, like you said, um, if your body isn't handling bilateral movements, well, try single-sided exercises. You know, it's all about um, doing what you can for the moment and then work through it that way. And if you can get back to regular squatting, then you can. Yeah. And we can load up a lot of single leg exercises pretty wild. There's a lot of people who can do this is way beyond point of this episode but there's something called a bilateral deficit and in in certain cases you could actually observe people who are stronger with a single leg with the weight that they use is more than half of what they could do as their absolute max with two legs right if that's probably a confusing concept and it, i don't notice that it shows up in practice too much but a, the best example would be a leg press in theory, for the same range of motion, same reps, someone should be able to do more than half with a single leg what they can do with both legs. And this is a, a principle of training physiology that holds true. But uh, again, it's not super practical here. So we've gotten into the nerdy stuff for all you guys listening. Um, <laughs> really, and I just geeking out over training stuff. But if you are interested in the more accessible, basic stuff, uh, talk to either one of us. Uh, by the time you're hearing this, we'll still take, we've got a couple more days of uh, where we're still taking applications for the next round of Forever Strength, third round. We should be a couple of days into it, but we'll let people play catch up. So if you're interested, shoot either of us a message on Instagram. We are excited about this round and uh, stay tuned for a new episode next week.